You're listening to a Natural Products Insider podcast. With Judy Bazzazzaro, Senior Editor. Brought to you by Natural Products Expo West, March 5 to 9. another installment of the Healthy Insider Podcast. I'm Judy Bazzazzaro, the Senior Food and Beverage Editor at Natural Products Insider. With me on the phone today, I have Walter Robb. He is the former co-CEO of Whole Foods Market and now principal at Stonewall Robb Advisors. Uh, Walter is one of the keynote speakers on the state and future of natural and organic panel taking place March 6th during the Natural Products Expo West show in Anaheim. Walter, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule you know, obviously your experience speaks for itself. Can you kind of give our, our listeners a quick backgrounder on your work at Whole Foods and now Stonewall Rob Advisors, as well as, you know, your uh, expertise in the natural and organic space? Well, great. Well, thanks a lot for having me. And it's a pleasure to be a part of this industry from, I will say, the baby stages over the last 40 some odd years. But I had a small store of my own for about 10 years. And then I sold the store to, to John at Whole Foods in 1989, something like that. And from there, we went from 12 stores up to, as you know, about close to 500 at uh, the time we sold to Amazon. So um, really, the journey was such an honor, such a pleasure, such a joy to help see, uh, if you will, the quality of food come into the uh, consciousness of America. And I think, you know, make it fun to shop and and also really bring some of the, the, the thoughtfulness about how food is grown and how it affects communities and farmers and everything to light and be a part of that revolution that's happened over the last 40 years, of course, which the Natural Food Expo was the gathering place and the, the town hall where everybody got together every year. Uh, now I see myself with those uh, with that experience, I see myself uh, trying to help uh, other companies, particularly young entrepreneurs. Uh, and the questions really are around values. How do you grow and keep your true north? Uh, how do you build a culture? Uh, how do you confront a marketplace that's changing so darn quickly with so much disruption? And how do you navigate that? And so in that capacity, I've been uh, I've on some boards. I've done some investments in companies I think really represent the future. And uh, mostly really enjoy spending time thinking through the sort of challenges in the marketplace with those CEOs. So it's been a, a continuation of the values uh, that began at the beginning and just uh, showing up in a new way as we create the next new uh, era of food and agriculture. Okay, great. Yeah, and, and like you said, it's it's continue, continuously evolving. Um, and I, there's no doubt that organic and natural is is mainstream. It's no longer a fad. I mean, I think it was uh, they had annual retail sales of more than 200 billion across the industry um, last year. And you know, I mean, that's just defining the future of food and nutrition and finished goods. Can you talk about some of the top macro forces and trends that's fueling growth and shaping the future of the natural and organic sector? Well, certainly. I mean, the, of course, the number one is the is the customer themselves. I mean, you're dealing with a customer for various reasons. Not only do we have a generational change here from the boomers to the millennials, and the millennials themselves uh, with a different set of values, expecting brands and companies to conduct themselves and with products that resonate with their, their lives, so higher expectations. But we just have a lot more awareness about the connection between health, food, farming. All those things are much clearer than they were 20, 30 years ago. So, I mean, the biggest the biggest change is also in the, the technology and the social platform. So the, the method of communication, the quickness of the communication, and the, and the ability 
through technology to bring that information more quickly to folks. All those are factors in why we find ourselves at a clear inflection point in terms of creating the next generation of food and ag. I would say, you know, I have said this, that the food system that came out of World War II with the use conversion of the war materials into pesticides and fertilizers, that whole generation is sort of coming to a, uh, a ton, kind of coming to a, an inflection point. And we see obviously the major CPG companies that, that help to kind of fuel that growth all kind of stalling out at this point as the customer, the customer is simply saying, I want something different in the foods that I choose. And this is why we're seeing the natural organic industry grow at uh, close to double digit rates compounded for the last five years and the traditional food industry growing at sort of zero, one, 2% because customers' tastes have truly, really, really changed and evolved. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, looking at it, you know, even like two, three years ago, some of the large CPGs were still driving of, hey, you know, we, we introduced this new soup. You, you should like it. You should buy it, eat it. Now, the consumer is really saying, you know what, I want that soup and I want it with clean label ingredients and I want X amount of sodium in it. I don't want any, you know, colors or food additives. And so the, really the consumer is now driving innovation. Um, and, and we're going to get to that in a little bit, but... Um, Right. Well, I'll just add to that point is that the customer is also saying, I want it when I want it, where I want it, how I want it. And so there's now new ways to get that soup to them that were not available five years ago. I want I want you to deliver it to me. I want to be able to pick it up at the store. I want you to send it to me as a, as a concentrate. I mean, the fact is the customer now has five or ten different ways to get the food as opposed to just going to the retail store. And this is what you see, the proliferation of, of uh all this in service of the customer who has now much higher expectations of how they're going to get their food. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, obviously, you're coming from the retail side. Have you seen over the last few years, I mean, there's so much innovation coming out with new products and growth opportunities. Are there any particular product categories that you've really noticed are, are really hitting the mark or are really you know, doing some innovative things? Um, obviously, plant-based Foods are, is is huge, and we've seen that obviously at all the uh, the past few Expo Wests, and it's, it's I'm excited to see what's going to be uh, in the aisles this year. But are there any particular areas that you really think that there's a lot of white space? Well, I think I mean that's the message I'm going to deliver uh, on the panel is around how when you come to a, a, a time of such disruption and inflection, you say to yourself, wow, this is a challenge, this is difficult. But the fact is it also an inc- a time of incredible opportunity because we're about, we are about now remaking the food and agricultural systems in a way that we haven't been able to do for some, you know, basically this opening. And what you're seeing is the growth is all happening now in our segment. So the Natural Food Show next week that will all be there, 85,000 people this year, the most, yes, heck, I remember you're one of the show, there was, Hey, we were lucky to have a thousand people there, and uh, this is where the edge of the food business is now, and where the growth is is all in these small and innovative and medium-sized brands that are bringing to market new products. And so, if I were to identify, you know, this is actually happening before our eyes, and it's it's absolutely phenomenal. And uh, if I were to identify the big, you know, big trends, because there's a lot of mini trends, and the, the mini trends, by the way, is follow this what I would call the food tribes, right? There's all this new way in which people are going to think about their diet. There's probably 30 of them, and and they're all out there saying, you know, keto or keto or low carb or or uh, vegan or, or or plant, whatever it is. It's you know, there's these different choices people are making around how they think about their diet, and that is of course driving a lot more 
diversity of foods and combinations of foods. But I think you've identified the biggest the biggest one, which I, which is plant based. You are seeing uh, a tremendous growth in the in the growth of plant based or plant-based uh, foods. And, and I, this is not just for vegans or vegetarians. It's the fact is it's meat eaters that are probably driving the greatest growth here because they're saying, all right, I'm going to go with uh, plant stuff a couple of days a week. I'm going to try to do this. So within that overall trend, I think you want to look at the fact that vegetables have really reemerged and mm-hmm. it's vegetables forward and new vegetables. Uh, kale we've seen explode on the scene, but cauliflower, others are now starting to emerge, collards, mustard greens, People are appreciating that this is the highest quality nutrition available, uh, the nutrient density of vegetables, uh, the completeness of it. And uh, you're seeing a, a new interest in grains and beans. Uh, of course, in the hippie days when we started, we were all about selling bulk grains and beans, but there's a much more sophisticated appreciation for the nutritional powerhouses they are. In fact, there's a new report out from uh, I think Nor Foods produced it, which is the uh, the new 50 top 50 foods. And if you go and look at that in there, it's it's featuring beans and grains. It's featuring a, a variety of vegetables that maybe haven't been appreciated. And I learned this uh, through the support that about 75% of food is coming from 12 plants, when in fact in the world we have a tremendous variety of plants. And so I think there's going to be an explosion of people exploring uh, new types of grains, beans, uh, vegetables that uh, just haven't really been commercialized yet, but will do as people look for other sources and interest of food and greater diversity in food. One example would be my personal favorite. I'm a lentil fanatic. Love lentils. You cook it's a whole grain. It's a great. Uh, it's great on the carbon fixation of the soil as part of the pulse crop rotation, and and you can cook them in 20 minutes, and they're delicious. And there's about over 20 types of lentils. And so, the discovery lines I think around vegetables and grains will go here. Fresh, obviously, the center of the store is going to get hollowed out, and it's going to get. Uh, uh, you know, it's going to get automated to some extent, either in store with robots or delivered on a on a functional checklist. But the fresh, the variety of fresh and cool foods, the chill foods, is going to continue to explode in the in the retail format itself. And um, so, I, I mean, I, I think those are things I'd identify. It's, there's a lot of sub themes and sub trends in the different categories, but pretty much any category you pick right now, there's meaningful change and disruption uh, from cereals to snacks as um, you know as this revolution unfolds. Absolutely, and I, and obviously education is a huge component to success. Um, you know, today's consumers, we know they're hungry for information, and um, they're reading labels, they're reading ingredient decks, they're they're looking up a product on the website and doing their due diligence before they decide to actually purchase that product. They're they're looking to see what the company company's mission statement is, and they're looking to um, you know see where the company stands on social issues and environmental issues. Um, but there's still quite a bit of confusion about food and nutrition's impact on health as well as the health of the planet. From a retail perspective, where do you see consumers being the most confused and how can retailers best ease that confusion and, and provide actionable education? Well, that's a great question because the adoption of all this is going to depend on that. But you know, the new report out by International Food Council or Food Nutrition Council, I remember what it is, basically identifies that now as you know, 80% of customers are are overwhelmed or confused by all the information. The fact is there's just, it's coming at you from so many different directions. And at the same time, we're learning through medicine and personalized medicine with the work on the biome and the microbiome that it's actually moving in a much more personalized direction, whether it's your genes or your biome. And so I think what's going to happen here is that we're going to have this convergence where where medicine and the preventative medicine or forward-looking medicine is going to take us to a place where we have more specific 
knowledge of our own individual bodies, and that's going to help people filter to make some sorts of these choices out there. The fact is there's no one right diet for any one person. It, and if you listen to your body when you eat, if you really listen to your belly, you, your body will tell you, uh, this works for me or this doesn't work for me. For example, I can't drink dairy milk. It just doesn't digest for me. It never has. And it wasn't before I even knew about all those things. It just wasn't something that worked for me. So I think there's there's something about people learning to trust themselves in terms of what their body's telling them. What they There's that book on blood types, type A or veggies, type O as meat eaters the reasons for that. But I think we're going to go, I haven't seen any one answer to your question other than the fact that the customer generally is looking to get the information. What I've seen them doing more is looking for who's growing my food, how are they growing it, is it fairly clean from the artificial ingredients, you know, quality whole food ingredient. That perspective seems to be pretty well established now. But in terms of beyond that, I think what we're going to jump to is people being able to personalize or to start thinking about in terms of their own particular DNA, biome, that sort of information, which will get clarified over the next five years and will provide more meaningful screen for their their choices and their decisions. But, I mean, if you think about the basic set of rules that Michael Pollan articulated so well, eat, you know, eat more plants, eat whole foods, maybe eat a little less. Um, those are pretty basic rules, right? I mean, start adding more vegetables. You know, like put vegetables in your diet. Uh, try to eat whole foods, that is, foods that are not fractionated or in their closer to their whole state, not W, big W, but a little W, and, and maybe just eat a little less because, you know, we have a lot of folks that just, you know, eat until you're filled and then stop eating. And, you know, most restaurant plating, there's just too much food. And uh, so I think some of those basic rules people could put in place right now as we make our way towards a more personalized future. Okay, great. And, you know, obviously with success comes challenge. And, um, you know, the natural and organic sector, you know, we, we do have some challenges there. Um, you know, let's kind of jump to the supply chain side, because obviously without ingredients, we don't have a finished product. So, you know, our, the supply chain has some big challenges, um, you know, from lagging availability of organic ingredients to, you know, a dwindling water supply. And really, well, you hate to say it, but an out-of-date uh, agricultural infrastructure. How can we as an industry revolutionize the supply chain to meet the needs of the future um, and to create opportunities for the industry and for the farmers and, you know, really to try to mitigate some of this climate change that's going on? I know that's yeah. a big question. <laughs> well, yeah, you got to like about 90 questions in there, but it's a, it is the thing you're talking about there, which is that, I mean, you could come at it from, I mean, Five of the top 10 agents of uh, in climate change are from agriculture, and so there's work to be done. I mean, indoor farming is one of the answers people have put forward, vertical farming, to say we'll do some of this food differently. Uh, we'll do it in the lab like the Memphis Meats or the others that are that are doing, you know, bypassing the animal and doing it there. Uh, you know, there's a lot of companies that are working on new technologies and new materials to lower the impact on farm. There's also in the food waste area, I'm involved with a company called Food Maven that's trying because that food typically waste goes to the landfill. 25% of landfills are food waste, and that's putting a lot of methane out. So there's a lot of these individual ways to uh, to go at this thing, and companies are starting to spring up now to address those. But let's take your points as to where we need to work. We need The answer is, short answer is we need to work. Let's start with the farmer which is to say that 90% of the farmers over 40, 45 or something like that are, you know, they're going to, we're going to be losing farmers far faster than we're gaining them. And we're losing the 
if you will, the native knowledge or the tribal knowledge that comes with that, uh, it's really a challenge to to find and, and support that next generation of farmers. Then to get the farmland set up, it's consolidated quite a bit. How are we going to get the access to capital and the access to farmland so folks can get on the ground and, and do and do the farming and produce the food? And third is, you know, you mentioned the ingredients. We are short some uh, organic ingredients now, but black beans and some other ones, and, and Whole Foods even has had to go overseas to Eastern Europe, to Canada, to find some of these things. And it's no reason we shouldn't be able to do those things right here at home in the United States. And some of that has to do with the reciprocity of trade agreements and the standards issues so that we know that we're getting like for like, and those things need to be sorted out. Uh, the, you know, um, so you have, uh, you have all these things at play in terms of imagining how this could happen. Look in the end, market, market driven changes are the best, which is to say that demand uh, the customers have is going to uh, provide people opportunity to develop markets um, and make changes. And, you're seeing uh, the impact of the customer choice goal. As I said it recently um, in another interview, I said, we are in the midst of a revolution. It's not a quiet one, and this thing is going to reverberate all the way back up into the farmer's fields. And the fact is, it, it, it is and it will. And, uh, you know, maybe further up the value chain, the farms have been a little slower to adapt. We don't really have, as you mentioned, the infrastructure on a parallel basis for natural organic that exists in the conventional ag world that is in the process of sort of being built out or you could even talk on the softer side of things like with insurance and insurance products to allow people to make that sort of transition it's just it's still being built out so we have a lot of work to do across a lot of fronts and it's going to take some real radical collaboration with groups to think differently about it to approach this but in the end if the demand is there, which I believe it is, and will continue to be there, which I believe it will, uh, that is going to provide uh, markets an opportunity to respond and meet that demand. Um, it is it is going to require uh, action in every one of those areas. And I think right now you see the capital markets have woken up to saying, this is a place I want to invest. And you're starting to see money come in that's going to be able to enable you know, some of that change. So I, I do think you've, you've put your finger on something that's very important. And and it's um, in some ways the disconnect between the farmer and the market is uh, we address it on the local level some through the local product, but we need to address it much more holistically and systemically to achieve the type of sustainability across the entire food system that we all want. We all started out 40 years ago to start to go make happen. Uh, it's going we're ready now for that next big leap, and it's gonna take uh, it's gonna take some major work. And that's gonna include, by the way, working with larger companies who are already at scale in the marketplace that may not share our exact beliefs about organic, but are willing to change because they see the market changing and have the strength in the market to be able to make meaningful shifts um, in some of these larger companies that historically we really haven't been at our show or we haven't been in dialogue with, but really are are facing a, a critical time for themselves as well. As we, So I think, you know, I would add another one, which is the collaboration and partnership with uh, parts of traditional agriculture that we traditionally haven't sat at the same table with and say, all right, let's 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 think about this together and how you can help us and how we can help each other. So it's really a multi-pronged answer to your question. It's the right question to ask. And I think it's one that's going to be provide an awful lot of opportunity for, for entrepreneurs and businesses to to fill that in over the next coming years. Great information. Thank you so much, Walter. But looking ahead, what, do you, what does the future hold for the natural and organic sector? Well, you're asking me about the future, and of course, you know, I'm a guy that's uh, now in my 60s, so um, I, I obviously am more, more than, I'm, I'm past halftime already. Nonetheless, I think the, the gray hair counts for something, and I would just say this, that look, I'm, I think all of us that have worked hard 
over these years to, to get the natural food and organic food industry where it is, which is four, four or 5% of the total food economy. There's a lot for us to be proud of that together all of us have worked, including, again, Natural Food Expo and Doug and the team and all of you there have done an amazing job providing the convening place for these conversations to happen and accelerate. But I, th- I think for us to recognize that now this foundation's been laid, uh, there's new work to do to take this and, com- and to take this to the next place. The opportunity that we've created through 40 years of hard work is upon us now for the next generation of entrepreneurs uh, to really uh, seize it and go and build it out now that we have some momentum. And again, my role probably in others is to remind folks where we came from, that we have a set of values, that we have a set of things that we believe about uh, about true sustainability, about sustainability of all of our stakeholders, about how we think about these things. It's not just about doing the business, it's also about how we do this business and that our influence on the world is, again, not just the fact that we can go out and make these things happen, but we can make them happen in a way that's very responsible and sustainable for the world as a whole and for the people that work in the businesses. And so I, I, am, I, I choose to see this as an incredible opportunity point. Um, I wish I was 40 years younger and I could start all over again, but in my job now would be to kind of try to help and support those who are willing to go out and do that and be part of it in that way. So I think a positive uh, outbeat, uplook, a willingness to collaborate with others, perhaps even that we haven't traditionally, a willingness to put our shoulder to the wheel and also carry with us the values that have gotten us to this place. Uh, I see there's a really incredible time for our industry. I'm proud of what we've accomplished, and I think that I see a very, very big future for all of this. And, and I think for the health of the individuals, the health of the communities that we serve, and the health of the country, I think we can make a major, major impact on on, on the changes that are in front of us. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a it's a good feeling to be involved uh, in in such a great uh, cause. So again, Walter, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. Um, again, this is a Healthy Insider podcast. I'm excited to hear hear you speak next week on the panel, and I'm sure there's just going to be uh, you know lots of great information flowing out of those great minds up there. For more award-winning podcasts from industry experts, go to insider.com and click in the podcast section. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts by searching Healthy Insider Podcast. Hit subscribe to never miss an episode. To join the conversation about the health and nutrition industry, leave a comment on the podcast's Twitter, Facebook, or SoundCloud account. This episode has been brought to you by Natural Products Expo West, March 5 to 9.